Mondays. Democrat Laura Curran, the first woman elected county executive on Long Island, breaking a glass ceiling and vowing to break with the past. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Entertaining and informative. Thought-provoking conversations that get right to the point. Observers say her future is bright. You're here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Now here's Laura Curran. Happy Sunday, everyone. So we've got a big show. I've got three guests, all of whom I am super excited about. Uh, before I get to that, I want to uh, point out, if you were listening to Cut to the Chase last week, you may have heard my interview with Tom Kenneth, who ran this quixotic campaign as a Republican running for Manhattan DA against Alvin Bragg. Of course, we know how that went. Now the news is Tom Kenneth is the lawyer for Daniel Penny, who may or may not be charged by Alvin Bragg's office for the chokehold death of Jordan Neely. Um, this is a really difficult story to talk about. There are it's just a tragedy all around. And it's a bit of a Rorschach test, I think, where you're coming from politically. Uh, but, you know, as always, I think the nuances are much more complicated and we got to wait to see where the facts are, what actually happened leading up to that. All right. With that, uh, I want to introduce my – well, I'll tell you my first guest is a guy named Tim Miller. He may be new to WABC radio audiences. Um, he's a former political consultant for Republican candidates like Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney, John Huntsman. Uh, and he's got this podcast that one of my best friends turned me on to. It's The Bulwark, and it's very – Interesting, gossipy, but really in-depth stuff. We're going to get to him in a second. Next, we have Brian Kilmeade for a wrap-up of the news of the week, of which there was a lot. There always seems to be a lot. And then uh, at the end of the show, we're going to talk to my friend William K. Rashbaum. He's a senior writer on the Metro staff for The New York Times, and he's following the Bragg versus Trump case in the courts. And there's a lot of nuances there as well. Um, now, listeners, if you want to take us with you, Please download the WABC Radio app. You can listen to us online at WABCRadio.com. And at the very end of the show, I want to talk to you. Always my favorite part. So call 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And we will have our conversation with you. But first, Tim Miller. He... Uh, I read his book when I was in Croatia last summer. It's called Why We Did It, a travel log. From the Republican Road to Hell. Hope the paperback is coming soon. It was a number two New York Times bestseller. Uh, and it, he basically divides, it's sort of like a sociological study of the Republican enabling of Donald Trump. So it's sort of dividing the political class, the polls, the consultants, the pollsters, the politicians into different sort of archetypes of enablers. Uh, Tim Miller has also written for Rolling Stone. He has a great podcast called The Next Level. He's on with Charlie Sykes of The Bulwark every Friday. It's a must listen for me. Uh, so Tim, I'm really excited to talk to you. Welcome to Cut to the Chase. Wow, that is quite the intro. Thank you. You're reading me in Croatia. You're listening every Friday. <laughs> Hopefully uh, other people will take you up on this. This is good stuff. And people can come and see you live here in New York City on May 18th. You're at Symphony Space. I bought my ticket. I hope I'm not coming on as too much of a fangirl, but I'm really excited for that. I think there's a few tickets well, left, right? If they want to meet you, if they're fangirls of you, they should come out on May, on, uh, May 18th because they'll know that you'll be there. And if they like you know, what I say over the next few minutes, maybe come see us too. Molly Jong Fast will be with us and 
the rest of the Bulwark crew. It's going to be fun. We, we have some tickets left. A bunch of tickets are sold. We're excited about it. So what can people expect from a live podcast show? <laughs> Yeah, I'm always like, would I go to a live podcast? I'm not so sure. So, you know. And this is my first. I've never been attracted before. Yeah, some people love the live podcast. Um, you know, we, um, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into what is that, whatever's happening uh, on the news of the day. We'll do some funny bits to kind of keep keep it moving. Um, we're going to hang out afterwards and you know chat politics with people, sign books if they if they want to bring them along. So it's usually pretty fun. People have a few drinks. I have a few drinks on stage and. You get me to let loose a little bit on, on, you know, whichever politicians deserve it that week. Maybe the Texas Republicans this week and their response to the tragedies down there. I don't know. Or yeah. you know, maybe Eric Adams. We're in New York City. Who knows? We That's right. Eric Adams a little bit. Yeah. So uh, that'll be that'll be so much fun. Ha- now, just to, to switch gears a little bit. So I've been following what you're talking about uh, when it comes to Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump and how Donald yeah. Trump was – you know, he made his announcement. Everyone's like, well, he's kind of done. It was kind of sad. The, you know, only mate Matt Gates was there. He was sort of the only bold face name. Matt Gates didn't even make it. He said he had to wash his hair. Oh, oh he didn't even make it. make it. He said he was supposed to be there, but he didn't even show up. And, the, you know, the Fox wasn't really covering, the New York Post wasn't really covering him. And it was all about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis can do it. He's the kind of guy we need. He's got the Trumpy stuff without the bad Trumpy stuff. Uh, but now he's plummeted. You you call him in very Trumpian fashion, Tiny D, which I think is a great nickname. Uh, and it seems that Trump has, whether you like him or not, an authenticity. He's himself. He's not trying to be anything but Donald Trump. Whereas you have someone like Ron DeSantis comes in. He just feels very market tested. He feels very focus grouped. He feels very awkward. Um, and it's almost like it's a strip tease, but a reverse strip tease where the more he exposes of himself, the less sexy he becomes to voters. <laughs> okay, that was a bad mental image for Sunday <laughs> afternoon. But um, yeah, here's the thing with DeSantis. And I, I'm, you know, had been more bullish on him than, you know, maybe some of the other folks um, at the Bulwark. I, I lived through 2016. You know, I was on Jeb's campaign, so I know what it's like to get humiliated by Donald Trump and get beaten by Donald Trump. And I, I think I have a sense of what it takes to beat him. I, I helped outside groups that was supporting Biden in 2020. And, and the problem in 2016 was that like, Trump does have this kind of raw animal authenticity. It's not, it's, it's fake authenticity, right? But it's, you know, he's lying all the time. But, right. But you can sense that he's like, there's something about it that you're like, oh, he's giving you real Trump, you know, even if he's even if he's exaggerating, even if he's lying. Right. And in politician speak, if you go up to him, like he has this huge advantage because he can he can use this vast, you know, fanboy of language that he, uh, um, uh, you know, uses to attack other people. You know, while the politicians then, you know, sound very rehearsed and phony. So with DeSantis, I always thought that he had a better chance than anybody in 2016 because he had this elevator pitch that was very simple. It's like I won in Florida, Trump lost. You know, all the Trump candidates lost in the midterms. You know, mm-hmm. I can't. I went up against Fauci. I went up against the left on COVID, and I won. You got to stick with me, right? Nobody had an elevator pitch that was that good in mm-hmm. 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, versus Trump. The problem is, anytime DeSantis gets outside of that elevator pitch, he just comes off as so weird. And mm-hmm. and and I think he's obsessed. He's getting down to the fever swamps. You know, with these, and he's fighting with Disney, and he he t- use all these these uh, abbreviations. He's like DEI and ESG, and he's really, 
And nobody knows what he's actually talking about. No one's talking about. Yeah, no one's as immersed in all of this. Regular people are just living their lives. But somehow he thinks, you know, because it catches on maybe in very much right wing media. These are the little trigger words that get people all excited. I think that's right, right? And I think that the people that staff his campaign are people who are involved in these world, who are on Twitter, who are in these kind of battles, you know, for people who are super involved in politics and are obsessed about it and, and you know, and, and really care that Dylan Mulvaney was on the Bud Light can and really care about, you know, all of these other, like, random controversies of the day. And so DeSantis has gotten really wrapped up in all that. And, and to move away from your strip piece analogy, but, <laughs> like, the more that he gets into every issue, you know, the comparison I have for him is it kind of was like Elizabeth Warren, right? Where it was mm. like it seemed at the front of her campaign that she was going to be the strong one in 2020 on the Democratic side. But that the more you got to know her, it just didn't wear right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and she was too up, she was too too focused on these extreme issues, too ideological. And, and and it ended up, you know, appealing to a certain portion of the Democratic base, you know, 20 percent, 15 percent, but not enough to win a primary. And I'm, I think that's where DeSantis is heading right now. He, he has time to change course. He hasn't even launched his campaign yet. And all this is happening. He does have time to change course. But, man, I, it, it definitely feels like he like doesn't have it. for going. Yeah. And, and, you know, he keeps talking about woke. And I know that that's a trigger. To get people excited. But it's almost like, you know, when I was a kid, it would be some middle-aged square guy talking groovy, saying groovy all the time. It just it just sounds kind of bizarre. But listen, I want to ask you. So you are a former consultant. Uh, yeah. Is this so with Warren? I think that's a really good comparison with with DeSantis. What is the responsibility of the consultants? Are they telling them to be something that they're not and then it just doesn't work because when you're not authentic, people can sniff it out. Yeah, you know, well, so, so I, on the next level, I just interviewed Larry Wilmore about this. Who's Hollywood asked him for his advice on this point on Kamala Harris. And, and like, by the way, I just want to remind the listeners: I'm talking to Tim Miller. You're listening to WABC. Go. Yeah, and um, and his advice for Kamala Harris, which is, I'm about to give the same thing for Elizabeth Warren and 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 now DeSantis, is actually be coached less. You know, let yeah. it rip. You know, say what you really think. Like when you're worried about appealing to a certain group, or when you're worried about you're going to make a mistake, it just that makes that compounds the problem. And I think that's the case. And as a consultant, part of the problem is some people just like aren't natural performers. And I think this is true for DeSantis. I felt this way with Jeb. You know, Jeb was awesome when we were having a scotch behind the scenes, mm. and then he'd go on stage with Trump. And it wasn't really that we were over coaching him, I don't think. It was just like that wasn't his like he didn't swim naturally in the water, right? And so you try to give him some um you know uh, some tools like to help him, you know, perform better, uh, you know, up there. And uh, but but sometimes you know you he came off stiff, not because he's a stiff person, but just because like he's not comfortable in that. Like it, it's it's like any person in any environment. Like you're not, I'm not comfortable in the weight room. You know, you'll mm-hmm. see if you come out to the event at five eighteen, right? I get uncomfortable in the gym <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not as good as these people. I don't know how to work the machine. I feel awkward. So, you know, yeah, I'm stuck. Yeah, I, I feel like and dorky. Shows, yeah, yeah, it shows. And I think that this is the case for DeSantis. He's just not, he he is not personable. Everyone says that who knows him. You know, I, like a funny little anecdote came out this, this, this morning. My a friend who's a reporter in Florida said he talked to Bob Iger. Said Bob Iger said DeSantis hasn't called him. Wow. Like you're in this big fight with Disney, and you haven't even called the CEO of Disney, who said that he wanted, like, who came in and said that he wanted to make a deal. He pushed out the old CEO actually that did go maybe a little overboard on some of this, you know, ideological wow. stuff. 
he hasn't even called him. And it's just like, this is not a natural human, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't know. And I, like, he can do it when he's rehearsed. I think that's what his consultants are doing for him. They're giving him these rehearsed times where he can yell about the woke. And, and I think that appeals to a certain part of the base. But, but, but man, once you get outside of that, it's not working. Right. And if he does run, you, it's very intimate in Iowa and New Hampshire in people's living rooms and you're at the diner and it's very, you're touching them and you're talking to them. That's, it's hard to be, if you're not comfortable to do well there. By the way, I got it. He's going to hate that. He's going to hate it. They'll probably have a bottle of Purell. Tim, I got to ask you, um, the, the exclamation point with Jeb always really bothered me. How did you feel about that? Okay. Not All my right. fault. Okay. I, I didn't like it. Um, he had. It was a, trying too was, hard. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. He had it in his race in like '94 when he won mm. in a governor's race, or where people didn't pay that close attention to this stuff. So it's kind of this good luck thing. It was like a branding thing yeah. back in '94. I think maybe back then people H.W. His dad, you know, was a little bit stayed, and so I think they were like, "No, this is his son. He's got vigor," and so they kept it. I didn't love it. I, I don't. I don't know that the exclamation point was why we lost, but I certainly don't think it helped. <laughs> it made low energy Jeb just much more delicious, though. <laughs> um, it didn't help. So we. I was just reading the Washington Post this morning. Biden's yep. job approval is at an all time low. He's at sixty thirty six percent, down from forty two percent in February. Uh, Democratic leaning adults. It's a category of person. Uh, yep. Are you know they think uh, thirty. Six percent of them think Biden should be the nominee for the Democrats. Fifty eight percent say someone other than Biden. Not promising. So one could say this is an opportunity. I know it's not snapshot in time. Anything can change. It's an hour, a year and a half away. Uh, great opportunity for a strong Republican. So I'm I'm looking at these and I just want to kind of do a quick lightning round with you. If you think they are the one uh, Nikki Haley. Just really quick before the lightning round. Yeah. I just said this about the Biden polls really fast. Yeah, go. The thing that's interesting about these polls is, is he, it's his left. Like, he's got problems within his own coalition. That's why his numbers are going down. And so it, it's not good. And, I, and I, you know, there's good reason to be concerned about his political standing. But, like, before we said this lightning round, in a head-to-head against a weak Republican, a lot of those folks who maybe don't approve of his job as president, they're worried about because he's too old, are going to vote for him. And this they will coalesce. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened in 2020. It was like the people that didn't like either option voted for Biden. <laughs> it was the double dislikers that were the reason that Biden got in there. You don't hear about that a lot. And I guess but, uh, the Democrats are... That was really the key swing vote. But anyway, I apologize. Go ahead with the No, that's quite all right. And that's a very good point because he wasn't Mr. Popular at the beginning of 20, for the 2016 campaign, but they coalesced around him. I'm sorry, 2020, but they coalesced around him in the end, which will probably happen again, especially if it's Trump. All right. Um, is Nikki Haley the one? No. Asa Hutchinson? Asa Hutchinson's the one from my heart, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it's going to happen for him. Okay. What about Mike That's Pence? That's a good sign if I'm rooting for you in a Republican <laughs> primary. Um, are, you st- are you still a Republican? No, I left after uh, 2020. I officially yeah. left the party. I just uh, the, the January 6th, the election fraud stuff that more people didn't speak out against them. I, I just said, I can't. Um, um, yeah. This is hopeless for me. So I bailed after 2020 over the election fraud stuff. So what but about I do, like, I do like Asa Hutchinson and, and, you know, so give him a give him a second look if you're listening. <laughs> All right. Asa Hutchinson. He's very he comes across as very sensible. What about Mike Pence? Speaking of January no, 6th. No. no. Talk about being in the sour spot. Liberals hate him. MAGA Republicans hate him. Yeah. Like, the only people like him is mother. I think he's got he's right. in the worst position maybe, of everybody. Maybe his wife, too. Tim. What about Tim Scott? Boy, I don't not again, not not it. Um I, I I don't think the I don't have anything 
personally against Tim Scott, but again, next to Trump, you know, like he is not. I don't know if you know anything about Tim Scott. It's senator from South Carolina. Yeah. A black senator would be a black nominee. I think there'd be a lot of Republican voters that would like that. You yes, know, very like faithful. The notion that Republicans are racist and they're like, oh, see, we. Are. And so, uh, but the problem is that he doesn't have that big of a personality. He's single guy. He's, he's a little avuncular. Mm. You know, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't think that it would, that it would land. Uh, Nikki is more, is a better performer than all the people that you said. But yeah. The problem is that she's just so burnt. You know, anybody that was from the pre-Trump era that then tried to sidle up to Trump and now yes. is going against him again, it just reads so yes. You know what I mean? Who yes. are you appealing to with that? Yes. So that's her problem. She's the best performer out of all the people you've said. And I like her sass. I like the way she said, well, Disney, if you want to come to South Carolina... <laughs> We can talk. I loved – look, in 2015, I will say this. I loved Nikki. I consulted for her on her re-elect campaign. Um, great uh, – um, I thought she was a real talent, is a real talent. The problem is that, you know, she was speaking very clearly out against Trump all the way up till 2016, and then she flips on a dime and goes and works for him. Yeah. And, and so I think that turned off a lot of people like me who liked her kind of authentic conservative outsider vibe. And then she went with Trump and, and now she's running against him. And I think that's turning off the MAGA crowd that likes Trump. Right. And so she's caught in between betwixt and between. And so, uh, you know, different. You know, if we, if she, we could go back and run the whole tape over again, I think that, she, you know, she might have it in her. But I, I think she's in a tough spot right now. I feel Vivek Ramaswamy is sincere, but I don't know if he's going anywhere. I don't know if he's sincere, and I've never met him personally, but I will say of all the names you mentioned, he's the only one that has a legitimate chance because here's oh, why. Interesting. he is from the post-Trump world. Yeah. Right? This is a, the Republican voters, not me. I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking as a political analyst because anybody who has any scent of Trump on them, I don't like. But Republican voters are the opposite of me. They don't – anybody that has the scent of Bush on them, they don't want. Republican voters might be ready to move on for Trump, but they still like him. And so they, wa- they would want to move on to someone else that feels MAGA, that's the, that their vibe is, I come from the Trump, you know, kind of era mm. of Republican politics. Vivek, uh, you know, again, I don't know. I haven't seen his oppo book. <laughs> I'm not sure mm-hmm. what skeletons are in the closet. But he at least has that. He feels authentically MAGA. And so I, I think of the people you named, he, he would be the one that would, I would bet on Interesting. him, at least, you know, be in the game. Interesting. Well, Tim Miller, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, hey, listeners, if you like what you heard, get tickets for May 18th at Symphony Space here in Manhattan. Uh, it's going to be a fun night if you agree and if you disagree. We like it when people disagree and can yeah, have fun sure. at the same time. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Tim. It was really, really fun to talk to you. Thank you. We'll see you in May. All right. See you then. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. See you then. Listeners, stay tuned. We're going to talk to Brian Kilmeade next about the news of the week, and I think it's his birthday today. Also, at the end of the show, I want to hear from you, 800-848-WABC. We got some people calling, and we got some juicy stuff uh, people want to talk about. So come back after the break for Brian Kilmeade. Democrat Laura Curran, the first woman elected county executive on Long Island, breaking a glass ceiling and vowing to break with the past. Laura Curran joining us live. Oh,
Chase. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Entertaining and informative. Thought-provoking conversations that get right to the point. Observers say her future is bright. I'm here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Cut to the Chase. Now here's Laura Curran. 